The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. In Christ we offer all that he has offered, the perfect Ecclesia, welcome. It's great to be together as we enter into the second week of Advent. As we center our hearts in worship, hear these words from the prophet Isaiah. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. With gentle words, tender and kind, assure Jerusalem, this chosen city from long ago, that her battles are over. Her term of incarceration is complete. A voice is wailing in the wilderness. Get it ready. 
Prepare the way, make it a straight shot. The eternal would have it so. Straighten the way in the wandering desert to make the crooked road wide and straight for our God. The Lord will be, really be among us. The radiant glory of the Lord will be revealed. All flesh together will take it in, believe it. None other than God, the eternal has spoken. Ascend a high mountain, you herald of good tidings, O Zion, with a clear, strong voice, make known to everyone the joy that belongs to God's chosen place, Jerusalem. You herald of good tidings, make the news ring out. Don't be afraid. Say to these cities, behold your God. He will feed his fold like a shepherd. He will gather together his lambs, the weak and wobbly ones, into his arms. He will carry them close to his bosom and tenderly lead, like a shepherd, the mother of all the lambs. Family, as our king draws near, come to mend the broken places in the world and in our hearts. Receive that love. Today, we light the candle of comfort. Everything will 
change, everything will change. And there is hope today that God Himself will heal our wounded world and say, Unto you a Savior comes and everything will change, everything will change. And oh, come, divine Messiah.
Good day, Ecclesia. Thank you for joining us this morning. And as we continue with worship, join me in this offertory prayer. In this season of anticipation, we gather our hearts as one family, offering our lives to the building of your new world. We remember your coming, celebrate your presence, and await your return. Creation has received your greatest gift, a baby born to heal all, that we may respond in faith by laying our very best at your feet in worship. May love, peace, reign in our coming King be celebrated with every breath. Amen. Hello, Ecclesia. It is the second Sunday of Advent, and it is during this season that we focus our giving on providing clean water to communities in great need through our partners at Living Water International. I cannot emphasize how important it is for people to have clean water, to cook, to drink, to bathe in. And we get the opportunity to help provide that for these folks around the world. If you would like to join us in helping to fund these living water initiatives, we invite you to go to our website, ecclesiahouston.org advent, and there'll be a button for you to be able to donate. Thank you so much for considering joining us in this. Another way that we partner with Living Water and to provide funds for clean water for vulnerable communities is through our annual Turning Wine Into Water fundraiser. This year, it's completely virtual. If you're interested in joining, please go to ecclesiahouston.org advent and join us for this really special, amazing event that we get to do every year. And Ecclesia, I don't know if you remember several weeks ago when we asked if you would consider donating some special items for our friends who are homeless. Well, you came through in a big way and we were able to give generous care packages and provide an amazing home-cooked meal at our annual day after Thanksgiving feast. We had to do things differently this year, but remained true to our vision of building relationships and sharing what we have. There was turkey, ham, and all of the sides. Fresh hot coffee was a huge hit. One of our volunteers, Mary, was able to source some great plants and flowers to make the atmosphere more festive. And the care packages couldn't have been more well-received. Thank you for your generosity. Socks, gloves, beanies, sleeping bags, rain ponchos, as well as much needed hygiene items. And friends, we could tell that the items you purchased were of the quality that you would have bought for your own families. And that was especially felt by our staff and our guests. Our dear sister Kay provided over 50 homemade blankets, and another dear sister, Tonette, asked friends to donate jackets in lieu of gifts for herself for her birthday. 
Manny, our outreach pastor, said that everyone had smiles on their faces and left on cloud nine. Our vulnerable friends are often overlooked and this outpouring of your generosity and hospitality sent the message, we see you, we love you. One friend specifically said, thank you for thinking of us. Another shared, I knew that if anyone would help me, I could count on you. Thank you. They know and feel our love. Ecclesia, it's such a privilege to love and serve with you. And so Ecclesia, as I take just a deep breath of gratitude for this community, I invite you to take a deep breath, to be ready to receive what our teaching pastor, Sean, has to share with us today about this Advent season. Hello, Ecclesia. It's good to be with you. Today is the second Sunday of Advent. And I don't know about you, but I love this time of year. And I think one of the reasons that I love it so much is because as a kid, I didn't spend a lot of time celebrating Advent or Christmas. Maybe you're like me. I grew up in a church tradition where we didn't talk about the Christian calendar and we really didn't do things like Advent or Lent or even really Easter. As, as a matter of fact, you could set your watch every year by the fact that at some point around this time of year, one of our preachers would get up and tell us, give a message about why we know Jesus wasn't born on the 25th of December. And we'd get another message like that around Easter. And those churches that I grew up in for as much as they blessed me and they taught me and there were some really great gifts, one of the things that they robbed me of was the celebration of this time of year. Because what happened for me and maybe what happens for a lot of us is that when you strip all of the spiritual significance out of these times of year, you're just left with the same old practice that everybody that you know has. And Christmas just became about getting stuff about getting the toys you wanted or going on the trips that you wanted, maybe going to grandma's house. And that's just the way that we practice life. Some of us know what that feels like to have this great time of year where the universal church, maybe even the whole world, is talking about the coming of Jesus into the world. But for us, it's just about stuff. And what's happened for Christians and for non-Christians alike is that this season only has the meaning that we give to it. And since we're Americans, when something doesn't have any spiritual significance, our response is just to go buy stuff. I mean, that's what we do with everything. That's our reflex for almost everything. A terrorist attack. We need to recover. Everybody go buy stuff. A pandemic. We're worried about the economy. Everybody go buy stuff. Racial strife. Go buy stuff from these people. A friend gets married. Go buy them something. Someone's having a baby. Go buy something. You, you get into a fight with your partner, your wife, your husband, whoever it is. 
What's one of the ways that you can help make that better to heal that rift? Go buy them something. And that's not always wrong. God is a lavish and good giver. And I'm the kind of person who really likes when other people buy me stuff. Matter of fact, I'm an author and I love it when people buy my books. That's not always bad. But what I'm saying is that nurtured reflex within us is so dominant that at times like Advent, our reflexes can respond to the stimulus of Black Friday and Cyber Monday and miss the bigger picture of what God is up to in the world. And if that sounds strange to you, just take a minute sometime today and go into your kitchen and listen to your refrigerator because you know what it's doing? It's humming. It's buzzing. And it's doing that all the time. But because it's doing it all the time, we fail to hear it. We ignore it. It's so constant that we have learned to marginalize it. And that's what happens in life too is that God is always up to something. There is always some buzzing, some hum that's going along, but because we are so busy with paying bills and taking care of kids and a wife or a husband or dating, all the things that we don't hear the buzz, the hum of God's activity in the world. And we need times like this to reawaken us to the spirit of God at work in the world and in our lives. We need something to remind us that true healing in the world doesn't come by just going to buy stuff. So about 10 years ago, a friend of mine and his wife were walking around their neighborhood and it was Christmas time. And so all of the decorations were out in people's lawns. You've seen these people who just go over the top, who have no concern about their electricity bill for a month, and every piece of their lawn is alight with something. Well, he stumbled upon one of those houses, and in front, right in the middle of their yard, they had a manger scene, a nativity set. And as they got closer and closer and started to examine this nativity set, they peered down into it, and sitting there, right in the middle of a manger, it wasn't baby Jesus, it was Santa Claus. And I think, Ecclesia, one of the things that we really have to be mindful about pushing back against during this season of the year is not putting a Santa Claus in our manger, in our nativity. That this time is about the coming of the baby Jesus into the world. And if we just respond to the rest of the world, like the rest of the world, and just go and buy stuff, well, we've missed the Advent story. So what I've got is one of our nativity sets from our home. 
This is actually my wife Rochelle's favorite nativity set. I bought it for her as a gift maybe 10 or 15 years ago. And it always has a place of prominence in our house during the Christmas season, during the Advent season. But there's something about this, ad, this nativity set that's very much like many of your nativity sets. It's got all the things that you would expect. And what happens this time of year is that nativity sets basically cram together two things. They take the Gospel of Matthew and they take the Gospel of Luke and they shove them together and create a nativity set. But what happens is then you get things that don't make any sense at all. You get scenes where the shepherds and the wise men are visiting baby Jesus at the same time. Like that doesn't actually happen in the scripture. You get all sorts of things because we're just kind of putting it together. But you know what this nativity set doesn't have? And I bet your nativity set doesn't have. And if it does, tag me on Instagram. I want to see it. What this nativity set doesn't have, along with the shepherds and Mary and Joseph and angel and baby Jesus and a little lamb, what it doesn't have is a dragon. And I bet your nativity set doesn't have a dragon either. But that's the story of the coming of Jesus. In the book of Revelation, the story of Jesus's birth is told from the perspective of the angels of the heavenly beings. And in that story, Christmas is anything but a silent night. It was the beginning of a decisive battle in a cosmic war. And here's what's been lost in Advent and what's been lost at Christmas. Because we don't read the whole story, What's been lost is the battle that's going on and we've replaced it with go buy stuff because we have forgotten that people actually need saving. Humanity needs saving. You and your family need saving. I need saving. And that's why Christ has been replaced by Santa in the manger. Because the Christmas story is bigger than most of our nativity sets. The book of Revelation tells the Christmas story this way. John writes, as I looked, a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman came into view clothed in the radiance of the sun, standing with the moon under her feet, and she was crowned with a wreath of 12 stars on her head. She was painfully pregnant, and she was crying out in the agony of labor. Then a second sign appeared in heaven, ominous, foreboding, a great red dragon with seven crowned heads and 10 horns. The dragon's tail brushed one third of the stars from the sky and hurled them down to the earth. The dragon crouched in front of the laboring woman, waiting to devour her child at the moment 
it was born. She gave birth to a male child who was destined to rule the nations with an iron scepter. Before the dragon could bite and devour her son, the child was whisked away and brought to God and his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness where God had prepared a place of refuge and safety where she could find sustenance for 1,260 days. A battle broke out in heaven. Michael, along with his heavenly messengers, clashed against the dragon. The dragon and his messengers returned the fight, but they did not prevail and were defeated. As a result, there was no place left for them in heaven. So the great dragon, that ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, was cast down to the earth along with his messengers. Then I heard a great voice in heaven, John says. And the voice said, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his anointed one have come. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who relentlessly accuses them day and night before our God has been cast down and silenced. So John, the apostle John, the author of Revelation, is on exile, in exile on this island called Patmos. And he's living in a cave. He was exiled because he wouldn't stop talking about Jesus. And the authorities decided that they really wanted to get rid of him to get him out of the picture, but they didn't want to make a martyr out of him. So they said, let's just ship him off to an island to live alone and maybe that'll shut him up. But it doesn't work. He's just as dangerous. So he writes this letter, this book of Revelation. John's not done talking about Jesus, about how Jesus is the rightful ruler of the earth and Jesus holds the keys to both life and death. And church, we have made Advent, we have made Christmas something that it's not. We've become so immune to the story, the central story that the Bible hinges on. When we think of the gospel accounts of the coming of Jesus, the birth of Jesus, we have these romantic notions of the Peanuts gang, like Linus reading from Luke 2 in the Christmas pageant. And that's all sweet and good. But we also need to hear the real story, the bigger story, the hum, the buzz, that is always going on that we have trained ourselves to ignore. And Revelation is what theologians call apocalyptic literature. And all they mean by apocalyptic is that it means to unveil or to reveal. Apocalyptic literature isn't about some other world someplace. It's about our world and giving us eyes to see what's actually going on, the hum we have ignored. It's about good and evil and the battle for what's right and beautiful. And what I want us to hear is this, that this Advent season, this Christmas season, that Christmas demands that we make a choice. The world is in a battle between the baby 
and the dragon? And how will you choose to celebrate this Advent? Will you choose to celebrate the baby or the dragon? And before you answer that with your Sunday school answer, think really hard about how your Christmas is going to look. Because this is not an imagined dragon. It's real. And there are consequences to the choices that we make. So when you go shopping this year, whether you brave going to a store with your mask on or you just shop online, the clothes that you buy, where were they made? Who made them? Is Christmas good news for the people who made those clothes? Or are we celebrating the birth of God who came to the oppressed to heal injustice by participating in injustice? This baby was born to an unwed mother of an ethnic minority. Does your Christmas honor the kinds of people that Jesus calls family? Will your life over the next few weeks, your purchases, your words, your attitudes, will your life be good news for the world? Will it tell the world whether or not you are on the side of the baby or the dragon? The world around us is celebrating a holiday based on consumerism. And that's why, Ecclesia, we have asked you and we ask every year to give more and to spend less. Because at the heart, consumerism believes that if you peel away the layers of the cosmos, at the center of it, you will find yourself, your own needs, your own desires. And that was the same thing that the dragon was looking for. Revelation is telling a different Christmas story and it's actually a story at war with other stories. C.S. Lewis says it this way. He says, Christianity is a fighting religion. It thinks God made the world, that space and time, heat and cold, and all the colors and taste, and all the animals and vegetables are things that God made up out of his head as a man makes up a story. But it also thinks that a great many things have gone wrong, gone wrong with that world that God made and that God insists and insists very loudly on our putting them right again. So in all of the joy and celebration 
that rightfully takes place this time of year. Make no mistake that Advent and Christmas are a story that divides the worlds into two camps. Those on the side of the dragon and those on the side of the lamb. So what if we imagined Christmas differently? What, it would, what would it mean to spend the next few weeks praying and working to make Jesus's dream of love and hospitality, of gift giving and sacrifice, of deliverance real? And not just for the people under your roof, but for the very people that Jesus came to save, the oppressed, the prisoner, the outsider. What if that is really what needs to be seen in your nativity set? Ecclesia, let me pray for you. God, give us a bigger vision of what you're doing in the world. Recalibrate our ears to hear how you are working constantly, the hum that is always going on. And God, give us courage to participate with you in it. And we thank you for Jesus and the promise of new life that we receive every day. And we ask for all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Pastor Sean, we thank you for the encouragement and the challenge to take a deeper look at ourselves and our own observation of Advent. And friends, as we come to this space, to this table, where we get to say yes to Jesus's invitation to dine with him, we first want to do another look just at our own hearts. And so would you join me in this confession prayer? I will read as the celebrant. As we long for the coming of Jesus, we contemplate our sin and our need of a savior. Come, long expected Jesus. Excite in us a desire for the wisdom of the Father. Forgive us the foolishness and harm of our words and actions. Come, long expected Jesus, excite in us a hunger for peace throughout the world, in our homes, in our hearts. Forgive us when we cling to our sad divisions, resentments, and shame. Come, long expected Jesus, excite in us the joy of the Spirit you have given us. Free us from any sorrow and anger that blinds us to your wondrous creation. Come, long expected Jesus, excite in us love for you and all of our neighbors. Forgive us for tirelessly seeking our own interests. 
Come, long-expected Jesus, excite in us a faith that never underestimates the power of your hand. Forgive us when fear hinders our obedience in you. And together, lift our heads in contrite hope and renew our hearts to receive your arrival as never before. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. And so, sisters and brothers, the invitation is for you to come, to come to this table with whatever you have. I have juice and I have Hawaiian shortbread today. Whatever you have, this is the blood of Christ shed for you. And this is the body of Christ broken for you. Let us taste and see and feel and experience the redemption and forgiveness that Jesus has for all of us. Before we do that, I have an invitation to 
families in our community who have given birth in 2020. If you have welcomed a little one into your home this year, we want to celebrate you as we also celebrate the coming and birth of Jesus Christ. So we're extending an invitation to you to participate in an Advent video. If you would like to do so, you can email myself at alexandrariki at ecclesiahouston.org or you can go to our most recent community email and there's also a link there with instructions on how to participate. We truly would love to celebrate with you and um, are really excited to get to see your little one in one of our Sunday services. And now on this second Sunday of Advent, I would love to invite you into a prayer for our kiddos and with our kiddos this morning. Jesus, thank you that you are our hope and our comfort. And that when we are sad, you see us and you help us and you give us comfort. Jesus, teach us that when we see others who are sad or hurt, teach us how to offer them comfort and find ways to help. Thank you that you are with us and that you see us even when we are in pain or afraid or sad, that you are the best comforter. Help us to remember that this week. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. I go see our benediction this week. In the womb, Jesus, our King, was once but the size of a tiny seed, developing the miraculous layers that would come to give him earthly form. Cells dividing, the putting on of flesh, the incarnation underway. Placenta and umbilical cord connecting our Lord to the Virgin Mother, to nourishment and oxygen. Heart chambers, tissues and organs rapidly developing. Limbs bending, nerves growing and stretching out from his spinal column, like ivy upon a trellis. His fingers beginning to open and close into tiny fists, reflexes firing. Mary feels the kicking of this great light suspended in the dark of the womb. Fingerprints and facial muscles, taste buds forming upon his tongue that would come to savor the goodness of his own creation. He prepares to emerge, arriving to experience humanity firsthand, and he grows and we wait in pregnant expectation. Continue to prepare the way, Ecclesia. He is coming. Dwell in peace. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.